Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today on the show, I am continuing the Friday the 13th series review, and I am joined by Jay Sher, as I will be for all of these Friday episodes. Today, we are discussing Friday the 13th Part 2 from 1981. This is the Baghead one. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i a big fan of this one. Jay Sher, how you doing? Yeah, doing good. Really, really good to be back. Dude, thank you so much. And I'm so happy to do this. I hope that everybody enjoyed our first discussion mm. uh, in this. Uh, it was so much fun. And now we're talking about one of my favorites out of the franchise, out of the Ooh. ones I've seen. Uh, yeah. This was a ton of fun to go back to and, and everything. Um, before we get into this, though, I did want to at least plug your stuff, your stuff at Podzilla. Uh, what, what kind of uh, movies y'all watching right now? Yeah, so we are going through, I've probably said it before, but going through all the old school Godzilla stuff. So none of the more modern stuff. And alongside the old Godzilla movies, we're also going through random other monster movies that connect in some way. They might have a monster or a kaiju that appear in a Godzilla flick later on, or they might just have a mention of a character or something. But yeah, we're just... um. Yeah, we've been going through, uh, we're actually getting into a good groove of just Godzilla-focused stuff. Uh, but coming up, we're going to be tackling one of the Japanese King Kong movies, so it should be a lot of fun. Oh, fantastic. So everybody yeah. be sure to check out Podzilla. There are links yeah, in the show notes. That. Yeah, really fun podcast. Um, and today we're talking about a kaiju of sorts. We're talking about Jason Voorhees. Um, mm. But <laughs> yep. He, yep. He, hasn't, he hasn't quite evolved into his full form and i'm looking forward into getting into our discussion about this this weird middling stage that we have of jason mm. but before we get into that i want to thank my partner horrorpress horrorpress.com what an awesome website it's it's very it's a cool just little watering pool for horror fans to read all sorts of different reviews and editorials um i'm actually going to start incorporating some of like metaphorically their voices not actual recordings or anything but uh Uh, For the Cabin in the Woods trinket segment that we're doing today, uh, towards the end of this, I kind of poked around with the writers over at Horror Press and got some suggestions from them. So so you'll hear what they have to say about this, too. Yeah, so be sure to go to HorrorPress.com if you want to read any fun reviews. There are links in the show notes. So now, back to Friday 13th Part 2. So this one came out in 1981. Part 1 came out in 1980. This is uh, under 12 months. I believe this came out 10 months after part one that's crazy that's insane it they just kind of realized that they had instant success with the first Mm -hmm. movie and they wanted to immediately go ahead with a sequel and this movie was not directed by sean s cunningham this was directed by steven minor or i'm sorry this was directed by steve minor who was friends of cunningham and he was a producer in the first movie and cunningham victor miller who was the writer of part one and then Tom Zavini did not return for part two. Yeah, um, did any of them have anything to do with this at all? Like Cunningham didn't. I didn't see him even get a producer credit. No, no, he didn't. Uh, I think they gave him like maybe some like writing credits of like characters. Mm. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, I got. I while I do like this movie a lot, it is deeply missing Tom Zavini. I think. Oh, yeah, man, it's crazy. I can like. I was watching the whole movie. We'll get into it later, but it got to close to the end, and I was like, "Man, is there even a good practical effect in this?" Right? Like, there's there's nothing that blows you away like the first movie did. No, it's um, and I, I think part of that is the Tom Savini uh, devoidness, but 
Also, the NPAA was super harsh on this movie. So they cut out a lot of stuff because the first movie was really kind of just indie movie that flew under the radar. And the, you know, it didn't even have a, a critic screening for it. Uh, this one today did, you know, have a wider release. It had mm. a, a whole critic screening of it. We actually have a Roger Ebert review. I will read at the end of this episode. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't so, wait. So, so the NPAA was like, all right, fool me once Friday 13th. You're not going to fool me twice. So they took out a bunch <laughs> of stuff, uh, including the uh, one of like, what was supposed to be like a big centerpiece kill in this movie was, the couple in bed and we get the spear that goes through both of them. The like double impalement that we get. Yeah. With. Is that Jeff, Jeff and Sandra, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those yep. two, those two, God, those two knuckleheads. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, him and his oh stupid goodness. newsboy hat that he's wearing this whole movie, <laughs> even when he's jogging, like he's outside exercising, wearing this going hat. for a swim. He's got the hat on. My goodness. <laughs> Uh, oh god jeff uh man sucked um anyway he's uh so 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 yeah so that that kind of played into it but also tom savini cunningham and victor miller decided to not come back for this movie because the i guess producers uh, over at paramount they wanted the movie to center around jason they wanted jason to come back and be the baddie in this and Cunningham, Victor Miller, and Tom Zavini were so against that. They said, "No, we've already we've already told that story. We explained that he died, he drowned as a kid. No, we're not bringing him back. That's ridiculous." And they said, "Okay, well, we'll find somebody that's willing to do that." So, um, so Steve Miner, friend of Seanus Cunningham and producer in the first movie, got got his blessing, and this was his directorial debut. I will say, outside of those three, he was able to retain most of the crew members, and he actually promoted most of them. So, it, oh, cool. uh, so you know, and Paramount gave this you know a little bit more money. The we got our nice steady cam in this, so we got some really nice shots in it. Um, I will say we probably upgraded at director. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that, <laughs> but th- this the pacing of this movie was so much better. Yeah, it's it's real. I was so surprised that it the pacing and just how short the movie seems, but you're never getting bored. It's just got this really really good tone throughout the whole thing, which the other one didn't. Yeah, this one this one was so fun. I, I really like it. It's a pretty great just 80s slasher movie. I know we kind of described mm-hmm. the first movie as that, but this one this one seems to know way more what it is. Because the first one yeah. kind of seemed to be have like a little bit more heart, have like try to be like kind of heavy with the whole uh, mother story and everything. But this one was kind of just hey, there's teens in the woods, they're they're in counselor. <laughs> boot camp there's there's no adults in this really there's no adults supervising them we don't have yeah. like this the steve christie like character or anything this it's just teens in the woods fucking around and um <laughs> bigger cast more kills the uh, faster pace we we expand the mythos of jason yeah. and everything in this i mean it, it it does i think it does everything that you could hope for a slasher sequel to do and i feel like it does it pretty successfully minus the gore i feel like the gore was slightly toned down yeah i I think the gore was definitely missing but exactly the the characters i feel were just a lot more enjoyable bigger cast of characters that were all really fun and fleshed out and exactly what you were saying like i really appreciated the campfire stories um when they were talking about this jason legend and discussing him at the bar when they go out for a drink and it's just throughout the whole thing it makes him more of this 
legendary figure um that it's just real cool yeah no i i love that i love the the, the campfire scene because that is kind of like getting back to or it's not really getting back to anything it's only the second movie but it's getting to what we kind of love about these stories you know it's like kind of like you know oh don't go off in the woods there's, there's yeah jason out there he's going to get you it's it's so good and i love that there's just so many things that this movie just presents for jason like we get the mask well not mm. the mask we get a mask <laughs> which is i definitely want to talk about the the bag head because it's it's kind of hilarious in, in a sense um <laughs> I love that we get this shack in the woods, the the Jason Clubhouse that's in the woods. Oh, it's iconic, <laughs> eh? P- Pamela's head there that he's worshiping. It's so oh my goodness. great. And I like that it's not we're at we're still on Crystal Lake, but we're at a different campsite. We're at Pakanak. Yeah. And I gotta say, man, as soon as they did the um exterior shot of Pakanak and we see like the the side green wall of the cabin and we see like the fire pit and everything i immediately went i've been here because yeah. i played at this map so many times on the video i'm game. with you this is maybe more like memorable to me than the crystal lake camp Same. this is just more like it stands out i love i love how it's got its own character the pl- the location in this and it's quite cool to just have it based somewhere completely different to the first movie and the first movie's locations referenced, and they're really—it's really mysterious, and people wanting to go and figure out what happened there. And we have the two characters, Jeff and Sandra, again being stupid and going out to have a look at Camp Crystal Lake. But yeah, it's—it's it's real cool how it's like it's separated it enough from the first movie. Um, and I, I think it's more of like a—it's got that slasher formula down. Oh, absolutely! Like it—it it, it has it down, like you said. And I love how you were kind of just describing that the the previous kill site you know <laughs> camp mm. crystal lake how you said it kind of becomes like this taboo thing for people to go visit yeah. and i think that's so fun because it's kind of like yo you don't want to go back to that first movie because you know what happened no, no don't go back there mm. trust me you want to like stay here this is new this is fresh we don't know what's going to happen you could survive <laughs> here nobody survived over there so yeah, yeah yeah love that uh and did you find yourself the whole time like whenever uh, our final girl Jenny and like other characters were in the house. I kept just going, Oh, if you go in this closet, there's a shotgun in the pantry. There's just go over there and arm yourself or like, Oh, there's health sprays in that bathroom. Be sure to get them before you. <laughs> exactly. I was like, yeah, man, if, if you go up those stairs, you got to check, you got to check out the room to your left there. That's a good hiding spot. You can jump out the window. Yeah. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. I was just like, wait, where are all the bear traps? Put down the bear traps. Let's yeah. go. Like, <laughs> Come on, Jason. What are you doing? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So this was, I felt because of how many hours I spent in the video game, it kind of like did the opposite effect. I felt immersed in this because it's like, oh, I feel like I'm playing the video game. Whereas normally when you're playing the video game, like, oh, I feel like I'm in the movie. Um, I just spent more time in Pakanak than other places. But yeah, uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, so I mentioned Steve Miner. Oh, he's a producer on the other movie. I did want to talk about it's a funny little thing about the writer on this. His name was Ron Kurz, K-U-R-Z, Kurz. Hmm. He he was part of the first movie as well. He wasn't the main writer. The, the main writer was Victor Miller. But do you know do you know what part of the movie he was credited for writing in part one? In the first one? No, what? The the cop scene that we loved so much. He, he oh, wrote that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That was him? Yeah. That makes, that makes a ton of sense, actually. I found the dialogue in this to be quite quite witty and snappy especially between um 
Jenny and our main character Paul. was it Paul? Yeah, yeah, like their dialogue's just constantly funny. They've got a lot of jokes that actually really hit. Uh, the banter's really good in this. Um, sometimes cheesy, but you know, I, I kind of love it. The dialogue was really good in this, and it wasn't as it was more like snappy and kind of witty, like yeah. you said. Um, and I loved that for, for like the characters that we had in this. It, it was definitely like a group of friends, of course. And the first movie was way more of kind of like this amorphous group. There was really just one couple while the others were kind of all just like flirting with each other. And this one is kind of the opposite. It's mostly couples that would get in this. And I like yeah. how you could kind of sort of just like group them together. Cause like if I had a feeling of one person in the couple, I kind of felt the same way for their partner. So the couples were broken up with Jenny and Paul or final girl and Paul uh jeff and sandra who the newsboy hat and the Mm -hmm. these these two knuckleheads these were the hooligans of this i they they were just up to no good i think uh yeah uh then we had terry and scott whose only purpose in this movie was to look (laughs) good like they both look like perfume models i mean i don't they didn't really add anything to the story besides just looking good and getting killed and then we finally, we had Max and Vicky who were just all charm. I thought I just loved them. They were just, yeah, I love their relationship this. in this real good. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, so the characters were fine uh, and some of them I was rooting for to die, but others I wasn't. Um, it was j- j- just, and like you said, it felt like it, that is, they kind of nailed the formula and they kind of realized, okay, we need to have like fun characters and we need them interacting with each other. And it's a mix of them being snippy. It's a mix of them being flirtatious. It's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Is this your second time ever watching this? I think it's, yeah, I think it's only like my third time seeing it. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And it held up. It was a lot of fun. I liked that the runtime was kind of shorter, you mm. know, you're, you're in and you're out. There are weird things about this though. Um, I mean, we can go <laughs> ahead and get into it. We, we'll, let's just go into like with how this movie starts. The, the whole, dream sequence recap with alice it's like this movie came out the first movie came out 10 months ago we all know what happened like (laughs) we get like a seven minute recap (laughs) it's it's a little much i think we if we just woke up on alice and got some sort of like reminder that she was the final girl without a seven minute dream sequence i think we would have been okay (laughs) yeah the the whole start of this is quite strange because i was doing some reading afterwards and the actress of alice i think we touched on it a bit last episode but uh, she had a stalker after the first movie, so she asked for her role to be reduced um, with the hope that they'll bring her back maybe in later movies later down the track. She didn't get a script for this movie, and she just showed up on set, found out they'd already filmed the rest of the movie except for her scenes, and oh, then no. they just talk her through her parts, and then she didn't even know she was going to get killed off. Crazy. Jeez, oh, I didn't realize that they shot this you know, after most of the shooting, yeah. I didn't realize that. Oh, that kind of, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's it's super strange because I, I find her death scene to be quite, I mean, it's the first death in the movie, right? We get Jason mm-hmm. stalking her. I think he grabs a screwdriver and just shoves it into her face. Yeah, uh, yeah right into her temple. It's quite abrupt. It cuts away before you see anything, but it's, it's quite a strange way to start it, especially with the recap you mentioned. Yeah, it's it's very strange. It's also strange for a Friday the 13th movie. Again, the audience doesn't have a whole lot of, like at this point in 1981, doesn't have a whole lot of history with the franchise and know what the rules are and everything. But 
it's so weird because this is one of the first few times really where Jason goes out of his way to go outside of yeah and stalk someone <laughs> this is it's this like is, in the city yeah this is kind of like michael myers driving syndrome it's like how did he know where alice lived how did he know how to navigate his way through a city how does he know <laughs> that cutting the phone line is something you want to do you know yeah <laughs> and that's something he I mean, does it here yeah to be honest something that's always kind of confused me when watching this is just the timeline because it's pretty definite that at the end of the first movie when jason comes out of the lake and grabs alice that mm-hmm. was a dream right that's yes. not real okay cool because it's always confused me me thinking like that part was real so jason was a kid in the lake and then a couple months later he's grown man walking through the city hunting down alice but i, I guess it makes more sense that he has been grown for a while just living out in the shack in the woods watched yeah. all the events of the first movie yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Let's go ahead and kind of do like a recap of the timeline real quick. So in 1958 was when was when Pamela stroke and or striked and she she killed the those two camp counselors. 22 years later is the events of the first movie. So Jason has to be in his mid 30s at least. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, and crazy. between part 1 and part 2 in like canonically it's it's a 5 year difference between between in universe it's five years i think it gets really messy once tommy doyle or i'm sorry whoa got my franchises crossed when um just halloween (laughs) they wanted to be so bad when um oh my god is it tommy uh, jarvis tommy tommy jarvis they even use the same name tom and tommy oh my god um Um, but yes, I, th- I think it gets a little bit more dicey when Tommy Jarvis comes in because it's like, wait, all of these movies are supposed to take place in the 80s, but he grows up to be a full man in it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 So it, I don't know. It's, it's going to get it, wild. Yeah. It's an alternate 1980s, I guess. I don't know. Or like the 80s <laughs> takes two decades to go through. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Years just become twice as long in that time period. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I guess I guess when we're talking about Halloween and how much. Uh, basically the first movie was just trying to rip off Halloween. They, they even went so far into rip, ripping off what the original premise was. Cause you know how John Carpenter wanted Halloween to be a, he didn't want to be a franchise. He wanted to be like an anthology series or each yeah. movie. Yep. That was what Seanus Cunningham had the same idea for Friday the 13th. He just wanted each movie to be a different Friday the 13th scenario, like a different type of horror movie. Oh, but wow. But the but Paramount wanted to keep it, you know. But let's, let's just keep it as Jason and everything like that. So it's just like wow, they were really ripping off Halloween. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I think there was a Friday the Thirteenth show. I haven't looked into it much, but I think that might be more of an anthology thing. Oh um, yeah, I, I haven't know. seen that, but that would be really cool if it is. I could watch that for the podcast. That would be cool. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> um. So I failed to ask you because you asked me. Uh, this was like my third time watching it. The first time I watched it, I was in grad school. Uh, I immediately thought it was so much fun and thought it was way more fun than the first movie. Um, what's your history with this, Jasher? Yeah, um, it's, it's probably my third time watching it as well. I, the first time I watched through like every Friday the 13th movie in order, um, 
And then second time, I kind of pick and chose a few from the bunch. But this is definitely the third time. I, I This is one that's always been memorable to me as well, and I really love it. I, I just love Jason's look in this, his baghead Jason. It's just comes out of left field, and he looks so great. And yeah, I really love it. We you're so right and we get such a great little glimpse of it when the cop is driving down the road and we see jason kind of just like skip across the road and it's so yeah, quick yeah. like wait what was that what was that on his head <laughs> yeah. and he, the, the way it's shot it's kind of like a sighting of bigfoot almost it's just like this this big thing yeah. just, just blurring 100%. across the screen uh it's <laughs> it's so great um but yeah so this movie's a lot of fun i i really dig it and this we'll get into it when we get into the segments, but the I find that the, the dynamic between like the characters, especially like the female characters that we have in this, and like because it seems like that the female characters are kind of instigating a lot of the shenanigans in this. Like a lot of them are the ones breaking the horror rules, and they are attempting yeah. their male counterparts to break it with them. Like a lot of them, in, most of them initiate sex. Uh, some of them initiate like like the smoking weed, one you know trespassing all that. It's almost all of them playing are video just... games, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> winning at chess. Yeah, they're uh, it's. It, I found that really interesting that they had the female characters kind of being like like the temptress in, in this. Movie. Yeah, you're right. Like, there's there's yeah like their male counterparts also broke the rules, but they did it because their girlfriend was doing it as well like doing it first uh, it was kind of interesting to see mm. yeah i didn't even pick up on that until you referenced it now it's yeah pretty 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 different before we move on was there anything else you kind of just want to say just about like general opinions or anything uh about this that you I, yeah yeah i i really loved the editing in this i i thought it was just really well edited and there were a lot of jokes that i laughed out loud at just in the editing there's there's a dog in this movie called Muffin that we need to dig into a, a lot more later on. But uh, there's a scene where Muffin's out of the woods and Jason finds Muffin and there's a shot of Muffin and then it just cuts to them eating hot dogs. <laughs> hot dogs getting cooked on the grill. And it's just so funny. And there's another scene when I think it's uh, Terry. It was, it was Terry and Scott, right? Yeah, Terry screams after finding Scott dead. And then mm-hmm. her screen cuts into an electric guitar and the, the like audio cuts into this electric guitar noise with everyone hanging out at the bar. And it was just some real creative editing that the first one didn't have that I, I really loved in this. Yeah, it was it's really good editing jokes that they had. And I had that same note as you did too with, with Muffin <laughs> and cutting straight yeah. to the hot dogs. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and then the, the redhead guy that's making the hot dogs, he has like a really funny line afterwards he turns around and jeff is right standing right there and he kind of like yells like all right guys come get your hot dogs and jeff just goes i'm right here (laughs) (laughs) it was was pretty good yeah there's Um, some funny jokes in this one especially with is that that was ted the redhead he was yeah i love ted in this he was so good he's funny as kind of underutilized we could have used more of him in this yeah because i mean he he literally he leaves with he a lot just, of the others to go and drink and hang out at bars and he survives by just getting wasted it's so funny <laughs> that like to survive these movies just go to the casino and just chill there and you're fine go to the after hours <laughs> place yeah yeah it's funny as yeah uh what else, what else did i have here i i really 
Yeah, I really just enjoyed Jason in this. I mean, we could talk about his costume and everything all day, but just the fact that we don't actually see him apart from quick glimpses until the very end of the movie, mm. I quite liked because it still had that um, little bit of mystery that the first movie had in it and we see shadows and um, feet and hands and it was very reminiscent of when we see Pamela in the first one. Uh, yeah, I just appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, thank you for, bring, for bringing that up because that was definitely something I wanted to talk about because I was kind of confused. Like, if I were an audience member in 1981, when we open up with Alice and he's stalking the neighborhood, I don't know if I would have automatically assumed that was Jason. I mean, yeah, we kind of get that with the, with the fire camp story or campfire story. But uh, I, I wonder like, what people originally thought was going on when they first saw this. And it's it, it is kind of confusing about what's actually going on and who this is. But like you said, I like that they kind of kept that mystery of like you don't see the back head fully until over halfway through when uh, when Vicky discovers him in bed after he mm. killed um, Jeff and Sandra. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and you're completely right. Like, I don't know if if I was watching this as, as an audience member when it released, and they're doing a lot of the same tricks of not showing you the killer. I'd probably like assume they were doing another. Oh, we'll make you think it's Jason, but it's actually going to be someone else again instead of it actually being Jason. So Jason's dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you killed dad, my wife. His brother. That is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's weird, and it's uh, you talk about the costume. It it's a very unique look because this this look does not return at all in this. You know, this is like nah. the, he looks like a farmer, really. You know, he has the overalls, he has some flannel, and then the back head. But um, yeah, it's 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 kind of like that uh, that thing that J.J. Abrams t- tried to do with C three PO in the Force Awakens, where he gave him a red arm, so that way, yeah, if you if you're just glancing and you see c3po you know which movie you're watching and so they kind of <laughs> i kind of like see that with this like you see jason and you go oh this is 100 part two this is without a doubt yeah else. yeah it is really cool the fact that you can every single movie um as we get further into this franchise you can just tell by seeing the mask or seeing what he's wearing exactly where, where he's placed which is real cool and as last last point i was going to make before getting into the categories mm. um I felt, yes, the editing was so strong and much better in this. And, but I almost feel like that everything that was a weak point in part one was stronger here. But everything that was a strong point in part one was slightly weaker here. Um, and we kind of talked We kind of talked about that. Like the editing was better. The directing was better. Um, the characters, I know we've talked about, I, did, I do like the characters in this, but I... I I I kind of felt like we we're missing just like a little bit of humor um, between some characters. Like I don't know. Like um, I I guess really just like the cop that we had. Like that whole like fuck yeah, you exchange. Yeah, it was pretty boring. Was, yeah, yeah. There there wasn't like a whole lot of I don't know. Just like I don't know. There's like there, there's like witty and snappy dialogue, but it, it didn't like land as like f- super funny jokes that I wrote down i was like oh my god this part was ridiculous like i, I was definitely laughing the comedy was better in the first one that, that's what i'm trying to say mm. i think but like the horror and like the campy cheesiness in this was pretty good it still makes it for like a fun slasher movie yeah yeah 100 there's, there's even parts just scenarios that 
I found funny, but that's probably because <laughs> now we're in the 2020s. Like a lot of other movies have done similar things or referenced it. Mm-hmm. That that's that's why it's funnier to me, or that's why it stands out. Like there was, I think there's a scene at the end when Ginny's locked in the car. And Jason is ducking up and down, going around the car, stabbing into the top. And it was like giving me massive scream vibes when something happens in the first scream movie. Uh, just so many, yeah, yeah, so many parts throughout this. And I'm just like, oh, other movies have done this. So it, it's quite cool to see the original template. Yeah. And it's cool to see, you know, in, in Steve Miner's debut, he kind of was nailing some of these. He, he did a really good job at building tension. Like, Jenny's yeah. chase scene in this at the end is just so good. And awesome. Uh, Manfredini's score is just blaring. Yeah. It's so good. Like the the chase scene we have is just top notch. The third act of this movie is glorious. I, I love it. Yeah, hundred percent. This is like one of the best final girl circuits of the, the series, I think. If not I think the so best. too. I think so too. Yeah. I think well, once we get to our end of this franchise and everything. I, th- I think it'd be kind of cool to say like, what like our top three final girls from this franchise would be. And right now I think yeah. Jenny would be crowned crowned queen of that. I'm with you there. So moving on to sub genre categorization, I, I feel like this might be a quick discussion. It's a slasher. I mean, <laughs> All of 100%. These, yeah. <laughs> all of these will be. Th- th- this is still. Th- this one is missing the whodunit ness that the first one had. It's kind of a mystery of what's. Of like who it is. But once they tell that campfire scene, I feel like it's implied that you're supposed to just believe, hey, this is Jason and like just, just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put mystery down, but I, you're totally right. Nowhere near as much mystery as the first movie. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's just like purely a great slasher. I also had because of the opening of this movie that we kind of get like a little mini home invasion movie in the first ten minutes. <laughs> You're completely right. Yeah, with like fake outs and everything, we get the cat jumping in, mm-hmm. and then heaps of different things happening, just throwing her off. Yeah, you're, you're right. That's awesome. Yeah, and Steve Miner is really just like, hey, we got a steady cam this time. Just we're just going to go up and down this hallway like five times. It's so yeah. cool. We don't have to cut. I'm for pretty shit. sure. <laughs> yeah, there's no like, there's not many cuts, right? A lot of them are one take scenes of her just walking room to room. Yeah, so it's it, it's you know it, it, they did a pretty good job. Um, and I liked it. We kind of get this little mini home invasion story with mm. Alice. Um, did we need it? Probably not. But hey, we got it. So, <laughs> this really did feel like they were padding the runtime so much. This is the only time where it felt like okay, we probably could have like trimmed like two minutes of this down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the first bit definitely dragged a little bit. Yeah. And I know we kind of talked about the slasher. I mean, this has everything you want. It has all, all the tropes. Sex equals death, doing drugs. We have the final girl. I also love, though, that we get a trope that we don't always see in slasher movies, but it's fantastic when you do. We get, and you just talked about it a little bit ago, we get the trope of Jenny having trouble starting her car when the villain is right <laughs> yeah. outside and she can't just get it to start. That's it, it, a really good trope. I, I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's good how that's like referenced earlier on in the movie where she's constantly having car troubles as well. It just didn't come out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. And she says that really weird phrase. Instead of saying, I'm having car troubles, she says, my car is sick. Are you six years yeah. old, ma'am? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. 
and this one, I think we talked about it in part one, but this one felt way more of like a hangout movie than part one did, I think. Uh, yeah. We got people playing games. The group splits up. They go out to the bar. We get we, we get a whole conversation of them in the bar discussing Jason and whether or not he's just a scared child or whatever. Like, I don't know. I really dug how much we're just hanging out and chatting with our characters, having beers with them. It was fun. Yeah, it almost felt like the ultimate teen like beach movie for a little bit, even though it wasn't at the beach. There was just a lot of the same. Yeah. Everyone's partying, having good time, fun conversations, barbecues, flirting. Yeah, just yeah. flirting. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. Skinny dipping. Yep. Oh my god, dude. That was what was that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just just no Scott. Reason. Scott's whole character as well. He's just constantly creeping out on Terry. Amazing. It's it's just it it's tomfoolery. It's what it is. Yeah. And she, I so I'm sorry. I'm going on my little Terry rant here because he brought up. <laughs> so she goes from searching for muffin to going. Well, can't find my dog. Might as well get bare ass naked and go for a little dip. <laughs> what? Why did she get completely naked in the first place? It's the middle of the night. Her dog's missing. I don't understand it, Brucker. I, I really don't know. And then Scott thinks it's a good idea, who's just, he's just being a pervert, watching her, stealing her clothes so she can't get changed. Classic <laughs> and then, move. then she's like fine with him straight after that again. And they're flirting. I don't understand it. It's, it's bad. And you talked about how part one, you, you were surprised at how, how, how much sleaze there wasn't in the movie? This one, yeah, they they, they cranked up the sleaze in this one with yeah, one hundred percent. She's like half naked the whole time. Her breasts and butt cheeks are just like begging to like just yeah, even pour from the, out the whole right? time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. I, I even think... read that the sex scene between is it Jeff and Sandra mm-hmm. that was actually fully filmed with nudity. But they ended up cutting it all out of the movie because they found out that Sandra's actress was sixteen. Yeah, I did so hear that she was like, underage. Yeah, sleazy ass. Ooh. Just makes Ooh. you feel gross thinking about it. That is gross. And I also did see that, in probably for some similar reasons, the NPAA cut out that death scene the most. That was supposed to be like way more graphic than what we got. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and. Also with her character, they with Sandra, they also just have her when 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 they go to Camp Crystal Lake to you know explore the camp, she's she's just hanging around in like a bikini top the whole time, and Jeff yeah. is fully clothed. Like you can't even tell he's like about to go into the lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He still has yeah. his hat on. Even yeah. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's another level in this one. It's gonna get worse. Yeah, yeah. She, her character made me so uncomfortable. One, I kind of found her annoying, but like, like what you just said, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that they actually had to cut out scenes of her being nude because of that. That is creepy. Mm. But she just has such a young face. Like she looks really young in this movie. Yeah, like sixteen. That's insane that you'd be sixteen doing nude scenes in a like a crazy horror movie that's almost going to be x-rated it was the 80s yeah. it's the 80s yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, birth, birth certificates famously didn't come around until 1992 so <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, let's get into the fear analysis. According to Dr. Carl Albrecht, there are five types of fears that all humans share psychologically, and those are the fear of extinction or death, mutilation, body invasion, loss of autonomy, separation, abandonment, or rejection, and then finally, humiliation, shame, worthlessness, i.e. the death of ego. Again, I feel like that this one's pretty straightforward. Uh, fear of death, a little bit of body mutilation, but not nearly as much as the first movie. Um, do, do you agree with that, Jay? Or is there anything else that you were getting from this? Yeah, 100%. And, and even in the first movie, there's a bit more like fear of separation and abandonment when a lot of characters are left by themselves. But in this one, they're... There's not really much of that at all. They're always, as you outlined earlier, they're always in pairs or they're mm. almost always around other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do like that it has kind of like that fun thing of they are always paired up or with groups, but there's always like one reason for one of them to like separate for like a moment, but they're like yeah, coming right yeah. back to a group. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the mutilation wasn't as big in this as, you know, the last movie because man this this movie really needed if tom savini was in this i think that this would be like automatic of five stars i mean this <laughs> yeah no you're 100 percent right it's it's just i hated all the cuts as soon as something would happen um or, or the kill like would bright, happen it just cuts away white, or white flooding yeah, yeah it's the freeze frames yeah yeah that was we do get a hilarious free freeze frame though with uh <laughs> i believe it's mark mark's character the guy in the wheelchair yeah that was yeah that was that was just ridiculous. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I did as a joke. I did have a Jenny's fear of her college education not paying off, I and mean, it paid off pretty oh, well in this go. movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did. I mean, I reference at the start, but all her like. She does it numerous times when she's just joking about a psy psychology major and just saying, "Hey, I've studied child psychology, so I know how to handle you, Jeff. I know, I know how to." Oh, it wasn't Jeff, eh? It's, Paul. it's the main guy, Paul. So many names in these, but yeah, there's a lot of. You're completely right. You're completely right. <laughs> yeah, um, it definitely had that. It there's also kind of like this other sense. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just kind of like. The, like that like fear that the like creep like your that skin crawling feeling you get when you're in like a place that's really gross and just like dingy like whenever when jenny goes to the jason clubhouse and she yeah. discovers the altar of the mom and everything and it's just like you kind of just like get that gross like skin feeling like ew this is like really gross I'm yeah. fearful, but I, I, I'm just scared to touch everything kind of thing. <laughs> She's like looking in the toilet and looking yeah. around and it's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of that. All, I don't know what type of fear to call that though, but it's, it, that is definitely like unique. That, like That's a unique emotion that gets out of you that is not pleasant. <laughs> and then she puts on the sweater like, oh man, that's had a dead yeah. body on it for like years. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's it was definitely gross, but I I love it for that. I love how <laughs> I just love that. I love that you called it Jason's Clubhouse. That's exactly it. It's so good. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna call it Shack. You put a lot of work into there. Yeah, yeah. He, he made it feel real homely. Yeah, his, his little twelve year old mind said, "Hey, the clubhouse it needs a toilet." Every every. every yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised he has a toilet. Like that's quite civilized. That's. I wonder if he stole that. Do, do you think he stole that toilet? Like, how, how did he piece this together? <laughs> He did another excursion out to the city before he hunts down Alice. He's got to find a toilet. He's going to find some home supplies. 
Do you think he raided her fridge on his way out? <laughs> yeah, it's probably all from Alice's house, actually. That's probably her toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man, that's that's hilarious. I wonder, wonder what he did with her cat. I, I guess the cat survived the movie. I guess we could assume that. Yeah, well, oh, man, it's... <laughs> The animals in this, the animals in this whole, I, I don't know, what what's with Muffin, Brucker? This so, is blowing my mind, that Muffin goes missing, characters find the mutilated dead corpse of a dog that looks exactly like Muffin, mm-hmm. and in the very end of the movie, we get this hilarious moment when they think Jason's coming <laughs> in the door, the door opens, there's this like real great sound effect, and it's Muffin. Muffin survived this whole movie. I didn't. Was, was that just a random dog in the woods that looked like Muffin? I, I think it's all a dream. Kind of kind of similar to Alice in the first movie where she's dreaming on, on the canoe that Jason gets her. It's, it's similar to that. Okay. All right. I, yeah, I, th- I think it's just a dream sequence. But um, <laughs> we do get a lot of Muffin screen time right there. And I think it's like trying to make you feel better about the whole thing. Um, yeah. Maybe they're still trying to pay some penance for killing an actual snake in the first movie. Like, hey. Here's a cute little dog. We didn't hurt it. Um, <laughs> we promise. <laughs> it's um, back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We just held like, a gun what? to its owner's head the whole time. But um, <laughs> I, I will say, my... I will say though, watching the bonus features, this this ending that you're talking about, this was not the original ending though. Oh uh, wow! So the original ending. So this movie ends with you know Jason jumps through the the window and it kind of does that like fade to white, which is annoying. And then she wakes up and the ambulance takes her off. She's like calling for Paul. And then we cut to Pamela's head. The original ending was that, you know, same thing happens. She calls for Paul. We cut to Pamela's head and then Pamela's eyes open. And then her, and then she smiles to imply that Jason did indeed kill Paul. That was, that was what they originally wanted to do. But when they shot it, they said it looked too corny like it just didn't look right, so they decided to just keep it like how we got where Pamela's head doesn't do anything. Yeah, I was almost expecting the head to do something because it same. it must have used the same shot when it was an actual person with makeup on because you can see that the eyes, the eyelids look real and mm-hmm. it freezes on it for just just that right amount of time. It's like something's gonna happen, but it's also cut like, credits. it's also more unsettling that something doesn't happen because because you're right right. because it it, it definitely doesn't look like a prop head it does look like somebody wearing makeup because you can kind of see like around the eyes like like you said and it's like okay Mm. when's it going to do it oh it doesn't (laughs) what was the scariest part of this movie or scariest elements of this movie to you i really like the final girl circuit at the end i think there was a lot of times in that when jason comes out of somewhere you weren't expecting him to i i love how like clumsy he is he's always fallen over he's always being left behind while he runs on but then She's stuck in a house and she doesn't know where he's going to come from. And he comes from the most unexpected places. I, I thought that was pretty scary. There was a lot of tension mm-hmm. there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there are so many good jump scares with the final circuit. I think the one that got me the most is I think she's like holding onto a door to keep it closed. And then a pitchfork just burst yeah. through the door. That got me pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think that was like the best jump scare for me. And aside from Jason jumping out the window at the end, I kind of saw that coming even when I first watched this movie, mm. but it still got a good gasp last night out of my fiance. So it still works. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that end shot as well. Again, just the whole thing with muffin appearing and it's supposed to be this happy moment. And then all of a sudden Jason's through the window. It's mm-hmm. real good. 
I think one of the elements of this movie that kind of creeps me out the most is his shack, is his clubhouse in the woods. Mm. And I love how we have the 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 cop just discover this in the middle of the day. It's good day, daytime yeah. horror. And I think what's so scary about it is that, you know, we get the campfire story of, you know, there's this crazy guy named Jason and he's in the woods and he'll kill you or whatever. And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, it's whatever. But this is like contextualizing how that can happen. It's like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. like where he dwells. This is his living space. This is like, yes, he is in the woods. And it's kind of like, oh, shoot, that is out there. That is terrifying. And I don't know that kind of the first time I watched this, I was like, that is a terrifying thing to think about. It's like finding out that Michael Myers does have, does indeed have a layer somewhere. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's just like, Oh shit. Okay. So that's not cool. Um, It's, I don't know. I, I found that to be one of the scariest things of this movie. And it's not like super shocking when the dude, they don't play it up as like a big scare or anything, but I don't know. To me, just, just thinking about how that's out there is terrifying to me. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I mean, even in real life, like you do see all these rundown buildings or shacks out in the middle of nowhere. And what if, mm-hmm. what if someone's living in there? What if there's a toilet in there that someone's using, you know? When, when Jenny gets back there, there's this awesome shot of when, because she, she, she at first thinks it's someone else's house and she's like calling for help and she goes in there and there's this awesome shot of from inside the cabin or inside Jason's clubhouse. And you can see just at like the smallest window that he's running to the clubhouse. It's it's yeah. so good. It's so it's really cool stuff. So good. I mean, Miner Miner had a really good sense of what he was doing for this. I mean, and it yeah. makes sense. He he went on to he went on to have like a little career. He did other horror movies that are like big. He did part three of this. He did Halloween H two O. He did like oh, Placid. Wow. Um, he also directed a couple of episodes of Dawson's Creek and Smallville. So the the dude has like some chops of directing more than Cunningham. So, and it moment, like it's like little details like that, that like really pay off for something like this. So the, the, mm. the shack stuff really creeps me out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize he even directed part three. That's going to be interesting to watch after this. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're talking about the shack, and I'm sorry, I keep talking about the clubhouse, but no, it's worth talking about. <laughs> there was a really funny joke. Oh, well, okay. It was, it, there was a really good moment of unintentional comedy <laughs> in the shack. <laughs> and it's when the cop finds it and he goes in and he opens up the door and he, he obviously opens up the door to Pamela's altar, but we don't see it. But when he opens it, we just see like this glow come over his face and it's like he found the Ark <laughs> of the Covenant or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of laughed yeah. at that. It's, it's, like the, it's like the briefcase from, from Pulp Fiction he opened. That's what yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That was real cool. Just, yeah, man, this, this Jason's Clubhouse, it's just something else. I really, really, really loved it. And all the way that it's always filmed and just the sense of atmosphere that the movie manages to create whenever you're, whenever you're there, it's amazing uh i'll be remiss if i didn't mention one of the things i also did find a really good moment of tension and and fear was jenny trying to start her car and she couldn't and jason's on top of Mm. it great 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 horror filmmaking (laughs) 
It is now time for that special part of the show. This is now the Voorhees Awardees segment, and we will be giving out awards for best kill. We'll be talking about practical effects, best and worst, uh, campiest acting awards, the uh, Crystal Lake campiest counselor awards, best quotes, best death acting, the Friday fuckhead award, and then we'll be talking about our final girl, our Friday final girl mm. from this movie. But Jasher, let's start with best kill. Uh, who, who's on the board for you? The best kill. Yeah, I, I don't know, <laughs> dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just want everyone to know he did that stone cold. No, no effect on his face. No, no emotion or anything. I, for a minute, I thought the zoom was just freezing out, but that was that was that was good. Good acting, dude. I got to the end of this movie and i'm like none of these kills are great none of them yeah, blew me not. away I, I what's with jason using the wrong side of the machete for a lot of the kills in this he's like cutting people up with the 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 back of the machete i don't even know that things usually sharpened it, it i honestly i i don't have an answer i i think i think it's just a fuck up I really do. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's just I I don't understand it, and it might might be due to a lot of these scenes initially being a bit longer, but we're just having to be cut for that rating. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm probably going to have to give the best kill to Mark, um, our character in the wheelchair. <laughs> I really love Mark. Just, I, I really love him as a character as well. Mm-hmm. Just to go off on a little bit of a tangent, I really love how he's stuck in this wheelchair, uh, but he's constantly saying, "Hey, I'm not going to be here for the rest of my life. I'm going to get out of this." And he's just this real nice guy. His character is really cool, and I, I was kind of like googling his that that actor. I believe his the actor's name is Tim McBride. I believe was the mm. actor of him, and it was cool just because I found some like fans talking about how the fans that were in wheelchairs watching this movie said that they thought it was really cool representation for them because they saw themselves, they saw themselves in the movie and he's like, yeah, he acted just like how I do hanging out with my friends and everything. It was like not a big deal. And, and that actor was not wheelchair bound. At least I couldn't find anything confirming that. Yeah. He did, however, unfortunately pass away in 1995. Um, He was an openly gay uh, man in the, you know, 80s 70s 80s 90s oh. and he passed away of aids at 1995 in 1995 oh. so, so man that sucks yeah he was really cool in this he was definitely a high point throughout the characters mm-hmm. uh yeah i probably have to give him the best kill i mean he gets hit in the head with the back of the machete uh it looks it looks pretty great and then he just rolls down this huge flight of stairs in the wheelchair uh, ultimately it is a bit ruined by as you mentioned before this big like flash of white and this freeze frame and we don't actually see what happens to him but uh, i just love the scenario of him going down mm-hmm. this flight of stairs with a machete in his face it's like morbidly hilarious like it, it really yeah. it's like one of the things you feel bad about laughing about yeah uh, it's yeah. It, it's pretty good do you think was that a dummy in the wheelchair i honestly couldn't tell i could I, it must have been right I don't know, dude. It was the eighties, but I don't know. (laughs) I feel like they didn't care. Someone backwards down a flight of stairs in the wheelchair. Like, (laughs) oh my goodness, Tim. (laughs) 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 I don't know, man. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up. This was this was a. It's the kill you remember the most from the movie. That's a hundred percent. Like how we kept talking about Kevin Bacon in the first movie. 
this this is the kill you remember from part two absolutely and it still doesn't make sense like i said it's the wrong side of the machete but he's on a porch and the swing come like the 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 blow comes from the front of his head so it's like how is he how how did he not see (laughs) this person i I, it just doesn't make sense i don't know spatially it doesn't (laughs) <laughs> whatever um i had that on the board i actually i my i think i'm gonna put my, just to be different my my favorite kill was the cop uh getting the 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 other side of the hammer uh in the back of his head and it's purely just for the facial expression that he makes it's kind of <laughs> hilarious he looks like a chipmunk being zapped like it's really funny i thought uh so so i'm gonna go with the hammer to the back of the head and i'm okay with you taking the the wheelchair kill <laughs> Nice. I, I gotta say though, like throughout the whole movie, I was getting ready for Jeff and Sandra's kill in the bed because mm-hmm. I know that it's remembered. I think there's even like some art done of that kill in one of the loading screens of the Friday the Thirteenth game. There's like a mm. couple having sex and they were impaled. You're 100 percent right on that. Yeah, I was like, I was like getting ready for it to be more than just a quick shot of the spear coming through the other side of the bed, which I was disappointed with. But whoops, she's a minor, so we had to cut a lot yep. of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, the other kills, you know, they're they're really quick, off screen or whatever. Nothing else really stuck out to me as much. So, what's it, uh, Ralph? We haven't even mentioned Crazy Ralph. He's oh, back for this one. R.I.P. The Ralph Man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah he sees a couple real good. You'll be doomed lines again. And I, 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 it was, <laughs> I appreciated his death scene. I mean, Jason has like some barbed wire mm-hmm. and puts it around his neck and pulls him up. And it didn't look bad for practical effects. And it's funny because he was the only one, I don't want to say without sin because he was being a peeping Tom, but like he didn't do drugs. He didn't have sex. He didn't go trespassing. Mm. In fact, he was trying to keep people from trespassing. But. I guess he was just punished because he's being a peeping Tom a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the whole rules with this are all over the place. Cause even Alice, like at the start, I don't see how she gets done as well. I, who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, it doesn't exactly make sense. Um, so for practical effects, we kind of talk about it. Not, not a whole lot to really go home and write about. I guess the best practical effect is dead muffin. I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. That looked pretty that looked pretty crazy. Yeah, so I guess, I guess we'll go with that. Um, best and worst acting. So, so I believe how we did this last time is kind of like, kind of like the best and worst, kind of like campy acting. Because um, you know, if I were to go like actual acting, I think both Ginny and Paul are like actually like fine actors and hold water pretty well. Mm. But I'm not gonna give the award to them. I'm gonna give it to like because you know it's the crystal lake campiest counselor award so i'm going to give it to like some like yeah. campy overacting so for the best campy overacting i'm going with vicky the girl that is flirting vicky. with mark the whole time yeah she is just dude she's really going for it in this she's wearing <laughs> that purple sweater in case people don't know uh she, she's the one flirting with mark in the wheelchair she's kind of charming i love all her line deliveries she like her body language is great she is just very snappy i don't know uh I'm just, I'm going to give it to Vicky. She has the crown in this one for me. Yeah, I I, I see that. I mean, her whole sequence when she goes to get changed, just to, to change her like lingerie for Mark, and then she's figuring out where to spray her perfume and things. It's it's, it's real funny. It's real. It's just real great actor actress in this. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give it mine to Ted. 
to tell. Who's kind of okay. our, yeah, comedic relief in this. I could not stop laughing whenever he was on scene. I think he just perfectly pulled off like the comedic relief in this. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves him. He's saying so many jokes that always land well, but he's not annoying. Whereas our character in the first one, who was kind of similar, just annoyed the heck out of me. So yeah, yeah, I really love Ted in this. I just love the fact that he's. He's like talking to himself and flirting with the waitress at the bar and collecting up these bottles. And he's just, he's a funny character. Yeah. He looks like a good hang. Like, you know, and his, his jokes are at least mostly harmless. Whereas the, who was it? It wasn't Ted. I forget. Ned. Ned. Oh my God. Did they just go from Ned to Ted as the Ned and Ted. Comedic reliefs. Oh my God. Like, yeah, just, (laughs) we're going to promote that N to a T. There we go. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, at least Ted's jokes and pranks were harmless, you know? It wasn't like, oh, I almost shot you with an arrow or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I I did love the prank he pulled on Jeff and Sandra early on where he got their truck towed, but, you know, <laughs> they got it back and it was it was pretty funny um, I, re- I really liked that um and yeah. i really need this movie needed just one more minute of ted's reaction of him coming back to the camp and him just seeing everybody oh imagine he turns up and then like that's that end scene when jenny's <laughs> getting put into the ambulance and he's just like what the heck he just walks in with muffin he's like hey guys i found i found this dog yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh my god <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Um, so I'm actually kind of happy that that Ted made it out of this movie, and he just stayed at the bar and par- he like partied with that old couple. I don't know. As as soon yeah. as Paul leaves, he goes to that old couple. He's like, "Y'all going somewhere else after this?" You're like, "Yeah, let's go. Let's go to the after place." <laughs> Partying with old yeah, dudes, love it. Hilarious. So for worst acting, I I, I, I kind of had to give it to two people because, like I said, mm-hmm. a lot of these are like couples and their pairs and. I feel the same about both of them. I give it to both Terry and Scott. I don't know. They're, they're kind of like, they're just like stiff as boards. And like, I don't know. They don't, they don't do anything in this. So pretty bad acting. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I had Terry down for line too. She's just, I, 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 I did not get her character in this. She didn't do anything. Just that whole scene when she just switches from being scared for a dog to just, hey, let's go for a swim naked. Yeah. To being okay with Scott's flirting to not liking it at all. It's just not good. It's it's not good at all. Yeah. Don't like it. Um, and I don't have anything else to say besides it's just not great. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, let's go on to best death acting. This one's kind of hard because you've mentioned it before. They cut mm. super early. They, they cut really quickly after the the lethal blow. But was there anyone that like stuck out to you in terms of death acting? Yeah, this is another one that was quite hard for me to like choose someone who you actually see enough of their reaction. But I I think Vicky was pretty good when she okay. finds uh, the couple in bed. Uh, she sees Jason and then she gets like slashed in a few places and blood starts coming out of her mouth. I she really sold the terror for me, which I really loved. Sandra, Jeff, Sandra, Jeff, Sandra, Sandra. <laughs> 
Oh, that, that's a good pick, actually. I, I went with the deputy for this just because of the facial expression nice. he makes. It's yeah, he's showing in so much teeth, dude. I think he has more teeth than the <laughs> average man. It's it's just it's just a lot. So, um, I mean, that deputy was really going for it. Uh, I also love like <laughs> I also just love the little chasing he does as he's chasing Jason through the woods. He stops several times to fix his hair or to catch his breath. It's um, it, it's pretty great. It is it's kind of you know it's kind of disrespectful because they could have edited those out if they really wanted to. They could have yeah. cut around him being winded on this two minute on this <laughs> yeah. two minute chase scene. Uh, but uh, it, it's 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 a little disrespectful. They did my dude dirty. Um, <laughs> for quotes, uh, any memorable quotes. Uh, there was a few, uh, there was a couple jokes between Ginny and, I keep forgetting his name, Ginny and... Paul. Paul, that's the one. Yeah, a couple <laughs> just jokes between them. Uh, there was one when they come back and it's just raining and Ginny says, nice night. And Paul's like, yeah, if you're a duck. Well, there's a few just like funny, <laughs> funny just jokes that are just cheesy as, but I can't help but laugh at them when they're in the movie. But mm-hmm. the one that... The one that I chose for the best quote, and this is something I actually reference constantly with a couple of friends of mine that have seen this movie, is Ted, when he is in the bar and when Paul and Ginny leave and they're like telling him, telling him a few things, he just really sarcastically goes, yes, boss, yes, boss, yes, boss, <laughs> with his like thumb, thumbs up and like closing his eyes and just really making fun of it as he's saying it. And that is... I, I just laugh every time and that's something me and my friends just constantly do to each other <laughs> yes boss when, when we like we <laughs> just to be stupid sometimes but yeah i found it hilarious oh my god dude that's so good uh ted did not show up on mine but that's fantastic i had my favorite one is like this exchange with vicky and mark as like they're flirting and she's talking about the the, the handheld games they're playing and she goes i want to play the one with the puck but when when he goes, Mark says, what do you want to play for? And she goes, position. And it's <laughs> it's just it's just fucking great line delivery. It, she, she's just like I said, she's going for it. Like she does this whole before she says it, she does like she like fixes her position, her chair. She like leans back and like kicks her head back a little bit. She's like position. And it's just it's <laughs> fucking great. And beforehand, yeah, it's good. It's so good. And beforehand, she says, I only want your fingers just <laughs> Just, just, just casually. She's going for it. She's so horny at that time, dude. She she's like, is. <laughs> she's like talking to him about his his accident and his legs, and it's like this real serious conversation when he's being like, "Yeah, uh, my legs. I, I really hope that I can get them. I, I won't be like this forever." And then she's like, "Well, is everything else down there okay?" <laughs> like she just switches from serious conversation to just making jokes again. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It. it <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's a real how you doing sort of thing, you know. It's um, yep. she, 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 she's like, hey, we'll figure it out, you know. It's <laughs> yeah. it, it's just so good. Um, outside of that, I had Jenny, just her line of, "I'm sorry, my car was sick." It was she, she says it kind of <laughs> like a girl, like like I me, mean like a little girl, like a child. And it's I don't know it that kind of like really made me laugh. It's like that's fucking stupid to say, but okay. <laughs> yeah i also love just when she's like having car troubles and shows up 
Paul's just constantly leaving the whole group that he's like inducting into this um, camp counselor. <laughs> he's just talking to them all about the rules. Mm-hmm. He's constantly like going back and forth to check on Ginny, go back again. She's having car troubles. He runs over to her and fixes her car and then goes back. It's just funny sequence. Ginny also has a pretty good line at the bar when they're kind of talking about just the, the mental headspace of Jason. She has this line and it's, when if there is some sort of boy beast running around Camp Crystal Lake, and I just love because she's so she was so serious about it. When if there's some sort of boy beast running around Camp Crystal Lake, it's <laughs> I don't know. It it was I don't know that like really cracked me up. And she does kind of yeah. say some other things and drops a drops an R word in this, but um, outside of the the slur, it was all funny. Um, I really yeah, <laughs> especially like Paul and uh, Ted's reactions, just always looking at each other before cracking up. It's yeah, <laughs> real cool. I think you're drunk. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Hit us again, sweetheart. Not me. The final award before we get into the Friday final girl is the Friday fuckhead award. So who's the most annoying fuckhead in this? I had a few contenders, but I have somebody that, that got the belt for this. So who was it for you? You mentioned him, but I'm going to give it to Scott. I just... I cannot get over Scott's introduction when Terry walks into the camp initially with those really tight, short pants and he has a slingshot. He hits her on the butt and then just like walks out of the bushes, does this really strange pose and like (laughs) smile with his slingshot and just looks at her and stares her down. He's just such a creep, and I just—he is. <laughs> he's such a. Fuckhead. I can't get over him. Whenever he's in this, I just—I just cannot get over Scott. Yeah, no, it, dude, you, you spilled it out perfectly, or spelled <laughs> it out perfectly. Yeah, I. It just the, the the gall the gall he has for all this, and like mm-hmm. you said, the pose he does, and he kind of has this confidence of just like, hey, yeah, I did that. You want to fuck me? Like he, he's kind of just like, aren't you impressed? Yeah. Like how? Like yeah. he's like, let's go one to ten. How much you want to like just like bang it out right here, right now? Like he, yeah. he carries it like that. He's like, I got the slingshot. It could be, it could, we could do stuff with it. Um, and he's just, <laughs> I don't know. He's just such a fuckhead. And then you know, later on, he steals her clothes and everything. Um, yeah. So I, I for, for like a minute, I thought about making Jeff and Sandra the fuckheads just because they really annoy me in this but yeah yeah i couldn't like pinpoint the exact transgression of that made them go yeah you got the belt for this but mm-hmm. i can for scott so i'm 100 percent agreeing <laughs> with you it's scott he's the friday fuckhead in this i just don't understand it because he's such a sleaze the whole way through yet terry does he talk to constantly... anyone else in this movie N- no i don't think he does but terry's constantly like getting close to him and sitting next to him, like around the campfire, she's right close to him after he was just being a creep towards her. And then when they're sitting like on the picnic tables uh, at the actual Pakenek Lodge, she's sitting right next to him. It's just both of them. I just don't understand their relationship. If he's just like, all according to plan. <laughs> yeah. So coming together. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude. I think he was shooting her with stupid pills or something. Cause it makes sense yeah. because you know, from that point on, she just gets dumber and dumber throughout the movie. You know, she keeps being more and more attracted to him. She goes looking. She goes looking for her dog, and then decides to go skinny dipping. It it, it <laughs> doesn't make a whole lot of sense. She also nope. does this really weird thing when she goes back to the cabin. This is after 
Scott has uh, fallen into Jason's trap and he's being hung upside down. And she goes yep. back to the cabin, I think, to get a knife. And she does this, they do this weird thing where she like dips below out of screen and then she pops up in front of the camera and just kind of looks at the camera like, oh. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I noticed that too. <laughs> And it's kind of just like, yo, Steve, you don't want to do like another take for that or something? <laughs> oh, just her facial expressions then as well. Just the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, fuck Scott. Scott won the fuckhead Friday belt in this. Absolutely. All righty. So, let's get on to the Friday final girl talk. Our final girl in this is Ginny. And I think that she is a top notch final girl. I think that she is so good in this movie. And just... As a final girl in general, she's, you know, she's not up there with like Laurie Strode or anything, but I feel like she's got to be in contention when talking about final girls that stick out to people because she is smart. She is confident. She is a fighter. Uh, She uses her brain and the stuff that she's learned to get out of this while also using violence. Uh, She, and she's just great in this. Um, What are your thoughts on Jenny? Yeah, Ginny blew me away in this. Like, Ginny with a chainsaw in, in the end scenes, which is using the chainsaw. Like, is she the best final girl ever? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but she just, might be. I don't know. She's so cool. She's so good. Such a step up from Alice, too. And yeah, just the whole final girl circuit, her constantly actually using chainsaws and pitchforks and weapons against Jason. And as you said, she's a fighter, but she's got all these different attributes that she's real smart. She's actually genuinely funny. She's just... She's got so much character, and I just love Ginny in this. She, I mean, it's great. She she does such a good job, and I kind of wanted to, as I mentioned before, you know, I've read the, the you know the first little bit of Men, Women, and Chainsaws, and how Carol J. Clover mm. describes how how the final girl is different from like the rest of the cast and everything. And this is just such a good textbook example of what they do. So they show that Jenny is college educated, you know how she's majoring in child psychology. So she's very different from everyone else in the cast. They show that she's smart besides being educated. She beats Paul at chess in this movie. Um, You're right. Yeah. She is uninterested in the other teens. Uh, She's just wants to hang out with Paul. She's kind of like, you know, like uh, I'm more mature than that. I'm just going to hang out with Paul. Mm. Yes. She decides to like call it quits. Like, like whenever, like whenever I have night, these night scenes and people are still like partying and drinking, she's like, eh, I don't need the Tom Fuller. It's an early night. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. Yeah. I'm just going to call it quits, going to go to bed. She still is kind of sexually active, which is, I think, unique for final girls, especially in the eighties. We don't see her having sex explicitly, but there is a makeout scene with her and Paul. And normally in these movies, that's enough to get you killed. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of like a unique flair that they had for her. But as you mentioned, the chainsaw, we see her using the chainsaw earlier in the movie. So, and she's the one that actually puts it away. So it makes sense that she knew where it was and how to operate it and everything. So mm. yeah. And everything in like the, the final scene or the final act of this movie with her using her child's psychology to, to trick Jason that she's his mother. You Putting know on what? the sweater. You know what? For like yeah. half a second, you really buy into it. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. This You're makes right. total sense. Yeah. Totally. I'm, <laughs> I'm so on board. I'm so bought into this. <laughs> Jason, mother is talking to you. Jason, mother is talking to you. I actually love it. Like, it's a real... Uh, unique kind of way to solve the 
the big situation at the end of these movies, the big end fight with Jason. It's a real unique way to go about it, to actually use her skills that are already established to come up with a creative solution instead of just attacking him. Yeah, and it's so much better than like just having the cop, like the Doctor Loomis character, just show in the last minute to save the day. Yeah, it's 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 yep. really good. Yeah, so she she's solid stud stud dude. I just yeah, I I just really love. Uh, am I in love with Ginny right Is now? No, I don't know. Ginny? I just <laughs> I really really love her in this. I I'm finding I, I'm struggling to like think of someone even later on down this franchise that I I, I really that sticks out to me more than Ginny does in this. She's just really really great. Okay, let's get into the message of this movie. It's going to be difficult for a lot of these Friday movies. Um, mm. Last time, I kind of talked about how I felt like it was about, you know, a, the older generation hating the newer generation. This one is even more of a slasher, and I didn't even know it would be possible uh, <laughs> from the first movie. But was there anything that you were getting from this? Honestly, yeah, I struggled try to find a deeper meaning or a message in all of this i i guess just some of the same if you're being a douche if you're going around sleeping around just smoking partying um you're gonna get killed it's just the classic horror movie rules but apart from that i might have to defer to your expertise because i I really didn't pick up on much yeah no i mean i'm right there with you this one was kind of difficult to do I have two sort of I like just germs of an idea and I'm grasping at straws here, but I feel like <laughs> that a part of this movie is about being empathetic for your enemy. Um, Cause mm. the whole bar scene we get with Jenny, she's really trying to say like, Hey, this Jason guy, if he's real, yeah, sure. He might be killing people, but I mean, you put yourself in his boots. You know, he watched his mother get killed He's a scared kid. He's probably uh, developmentally delayed. He, you know, he's not all there. We need it. And, sh- and she, she's coming from it from a child um, psychology standpoint. So she's kind of really empathizing yeah. with Jason here. So I found it interesting that we kind of even got the, the, the argument for Jason in this movie about like, hey, let's like empathize with our enemy here. And she later uses that as a tool to semi-reason with him and make it out of the movie so th- that was kind of like you know something i'm like grasping at straws for you know this movie's about kind of learning how to empathize with your enemy and how that's a tool mm. for survival and you know the only person i ever knew was his mother never went to school so he never had any friends I mean, she was everything to him yeah deranged killer <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. You're missing my whole point. I mean, I doubt Jason would have even known the meaning of death. Or at least until that horrible night. He must have seen the whole thing happen. He must have seen his mother get killed. And all just because she loved him. I mean, isn't that what her revenge was all about? Her sense of loss? Her rage at what she thought happened? Her love for him? Yeah, I can I can definitely see that now that you bring it up. Like, especially the end scene when you do see her wearing the sweater, put, putting her hair behind her ears. Uh, you see her cutting back between her talking and um, the actress for Pamela comes back for this, which was quite cool to mm-hmm. see both of them like into cut with each other. And you see actually Jason's reaction and you kind of, 
notice that everything she was talking about is true. He just, he saw his mum get killed. He's just been out here living by himself. He's, yeah, it's, I, th- I think you're onto something. Yeah, no, I definitely think Jenny's trying to be like, hey, he needs therapy. Like, like we, we can reach yeah, him. Like, yeah. he needs a better Dr. Loomis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jenny as a Dr. Loomis, I would tell me that Imagine. movie doesn't make money. Um, Imagine they bring her back. <laughs> that, oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. That, that, dude, that would be an awesome Friday sequel, whatever. It's present mm-hmm. day, and Jenny's, Jenny's now a doctor. She's a psychiatrist, and... They Tommy Jarvis captures Jason and brings her brings him in and she sees him in, in the psych ward and everything. Oh my god! And then, <laughs> oh man, they didn't keep making Friday movies and bringing characters back. It'll be it'll be amazing. I would I, I would see that I would see that in theaters. Um, the other thing I had in this one, I don't know if it's like much of a message, but it was I talked about this earlier. It was just kind of like, there was like this weird note of how. And it was odd. I'm not saying that this was like a positive message. And I don't think the movie is, is purposely doing this, but it was, this movie has kind of like this weird thing about how like women will get you into trouble. Like specifically women will get mm. men into trouble. I mean, all of the female characters are temptress for their male counterparts in this. Um, all of them initiate sex in this. Uh, Vicky initiates sex. And she also offers a doobie to Mark. Uh, which yeah. he, he says no. Um, and I mean, the events of this movie is all because of a crazy woman from the previous movie. So Jason feels like he has to, out of principle, do stuff because of what his mom was doing to to an extent. So, and I don't know, it's just, it's just it's, and I, I forgot to mention, Sandra's also the one that wants to do the trespassing to go over to Camp Crystal Lake. And uh, Jeff really doesn't want to. So I don't know. I, it's not a good message and i don't think the movie's deliberately yeah. trying to be uh, sexist or misogynistic or anything but uh it's mm. kind of weird I was, I was like this is like a weird subtext thing i'm getting that this movie's trying to say women will get you in the trouble <laughs> it's weirder the more you think about it too because even yeah. with jenny who was like the strong female character who was awesome you get scenes with him at the start when Paul and her are talking. He's like, I really shouldn't be doing this with um, like the people who work for me or with the counselors here. And they kind of, she kind of dismisses it. And mm-hmm. it's like, it, it, it's, you're right. It's just does seem like every female character in this are the temptress or other ones getting the guys into trouble, which is weird. It is weird. It is weird. Um, but yeah, that's all I had for messaging. And I agree with everything you said about like, it's still presenting the rules of a horror movie, how to survive it. Time for the cabin in the woods trinket segment. Oh boy, this is this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, please, I, I have a list. I have a list of things from, from this movie. Oh my but, goodness, uh, I want to I want to hear horror press what they thought too. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I had a few down, but I feel like some of them are a bit like uh, obvious. Like Pamela's head. Mm-hmm. You have that head that's been sitting on that shrine in Jason's cabin there. Like that's. That would be down in the cabin in the woods. Uh, Ted's mask. When Ted's wearing this mask and when they're initially telling the campfire story and he jumps out wearing this mask and this outfit and you see the mask throughout the whole movie up on the spear that Jason ends up taking off and using the spear. Mm-hmm. That I think that's that's quite a good one. It's not Jason's mask, but it's a mask that someone else someone else used. 
maybe muffin. You have muffin Ooh. down there. I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this immortal dog down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keeps coming back from the dead. Can't die. You know. Uh, dude, those are great. Uh, the so as you mentioned, I went into the horror press Discord and um, poked a few of the writers there. And writer Alex mentioned the wheelchair from Mark. Uh, mm. that, that would be a good one. I, I agreed with Alex. And then Abigail, writer over at Horror Press, also said the the handheld games that uh, that oh, Vicky, Vicky and Mark. I really like the handheld games one because somebody would yeah. absolutely pick that up. That's cool. I don't even know what those are because this is way before like Game Boy and all that stuff. So I'm... yeah, and they were like multiplayer, but you use like just a single one and take turns. I, so it's... I, I, that has to be it. I mean, boomers listening, let me know. Please write in let at brookerhorror.gmail.com yeah. what these are. Um, and it, I'll, I'll keep you anonymous. People don't have to know that you're old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had Jeff's news, Newsboy hat down there. I also, uh, Of course. Okay, you might hate me for these next two because I'm like kind of breaking <laughs> rules. But I had <laughs> Jenny's red convertible bug down there the car that she's stuck in <laughs> i love it yeah it's it's kind of a perfect cabin in the woods thing because you would think you would use that to escape but it's actually a trap because the car doesn't work so you're now just like yeah. trapped in this steel uh death thing so i had had the convertible Got the pitchfork holes in the roof <laughs> yeah nice yeah so so i had so i had the the, the boat the, the car that doesn't work and um you know what? I'm, I'm going for the fences here, Jason. Or, I'm sorry. Wow. 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 Is, is everybody okay? <laughs> I appreciate that. I just, I just, <laughs> Jay sure. I'm going for the fences here with this last trinket. And if you shoot, if you veto it, I won't blame you, but I'm, I'm ready. Put the whole damn clubhouse down there. Put all of Jason's clubhouse down I, there. 100%. That, let's, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Make that the cabin that's in the woods. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of is because, like, the the altar yeah. room is kind of the basement section of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. It's yeah, just that's something I always come back to when I think of this movie. It's just even more so than potentially Jason's look and all the, all the events that transpire. You just remember that that Jason's clubhouse. You remember Pamela's head. It's just iconic. It, it's it's so good so uh thank you to alex and abigail writers over, over horrorpress.com for sending me your thoughts i'll be those trying good. to do that more so thank you those were good those were good things i love the handheld games i think that's so good yeah me too um should i should i read roger ebert's thing first or should i say what quadrant of movies we would have this ranked uh, do Roger Ebert. Okay, you're going to think I, about I, it. I, I need it's, to hear what he thought. <laughs> okay, okay. So before we close out and end this show, I kind of want to read just a, just a snippet of what Roger Ebert had to say about this movie. So as I said, part one was not available for critics to... It, there was no viewing for them, but there was for part two because mm. it was now a bigger movie behind Paramount. And just the, the little word picture that he gives us for seeing this movie is fantastic. Okay, so Roger Ebert gave this movie the the maximum that you, that he can give a movie is four stars. He gave this movie a half star. That's oh, it. No. And this yeah. this review is from January first, nineteen eighty one. Okay, so he writes: I saw Friday the Thirteenth Part Two at the Virginia Theater, a former theater house in my hometown of Champaign, Illinois. 
The late show was half filled with high school and college students. As the lights went down, I experienced a brief wave of nostalgia. In this very theater on countless Friday nights, I had gone with a date to the movies. My nostalgia lasted for the first two minutes of the movie. The pre-title sequence showed one of the heroines of the original Friday the 13th alone at home. She has nightmares, wakes up, undresses, is stalked by the camera, hears a noise in the kitchen. She tiptoes into the kitchen through the open window. A cat springs into the room. The audience screamed loudly and happily. It's fun to be scared. Then an unidentified man sunk an ice pick into the girl's brain. And for me, the fun stopped. The audience, however, wow. the audience, however, carried on. It is a tradition to be loud during movies, I guess. After a batch of young counselors turns up for training at a summer camp, a girl goes out walking alone at night. Everybody in the audience immediately hoots and howls in hyenas. Another girl went into her room to start to undress. Five guys sitting together started to chant, We want boobs. The plot oh in the original goodness. movie, a summer camp staff was wiped out by a demented woman whose son had been allowed to drown by incompetent camp counselors. At the end of that film, the mother was decapitated by the young woman who was killed with an ice pick at the beginning of part two. The legend grows that, that the son, Jason, did not really drown but survived and lurked in the woods waiting to take his vengeance against the killer of his mother and against camp counselors in general, I guess. And he goes on to say that he really didn't enjoy this and that this review will suffice for every Friday the 13th movie of your choice. Oh my goodness. So Raj. Oh, Roger, eh? He only I, a half star? Come on, man. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. I, I'll need to have a look at like what he uh, ended up giving other horror movies because I think he, he reviewed like Scream quite highly. I wonder if he did many um, slashes of this era when part two came out, but... I, I got to say, like, when I go to the cinema, I don't really love audience interaction that much. Like, I, li I like going there and just being, like, just being immersed in the movie and not being brought out of it. Mm -hmm. But with horror movies, if there's a really good scare, I do appreciate hearing that it actually got people. Because sometimes it adds to it when, like, you're all getting that collective experience of getting scared at something not all clapping and ooing and ahhing at like the most recent marvel movie but it all like <laughs> undergoing the same like bodily reaction I, I kind of appreciate that stuff but then as he's going into people like having reactions to girls getting undressed and hooting and hollering that that'll be hell for me i can't no yeah i'm with you there i i, I enjoy like you say like everybody gasping together or screaming together laughing together yeah all that is fun I totally get that. But yeah, having like a group of frat douches going, give me your boobs. Yeah, I would be like, oh my God, like go walk in the traffic. Yeah, get out of here. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that would be the worst. Yeah, that would be the I, worst. But so I wonder I, if Raj, if if we had the technology to just give him a laptop and lock him in a room and just like have him watch this movie by himself, <laughs> if he would appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I'd hope so, because it's interesting, like, I I actually genuinely thought this was quite well constructed. Like, I, I talked a little about the editing, I talked a little bit about, like, the suspense, and the, mm -hmm. we mentioned the directing in this, how it's a bit of a step up. Yeah, I, I genuinely think, like, this is quite a well-made movie, especially for the time, so it's interesting that he didn't really mention much of that. He didn't really care for horror movies, really, in, like, the 70s and 80s. Just turned them off. It really wasn't yeah. until, like, the 90s he's kind of started to turn around on them. A little bit because like you said he he did give scream a pretty high rating i believe 
Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Carol J. Clover talks about in her essay about how, you know, the, the slasher movie was frowned, was frowned upon and people didn't really give it much merit or give it much attention in anything. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but I, I wish that mm. we could, I really wish that he like did an update on this before he passed. That would have been cool to see if he like was still like, yeah, this is dog yeah. shit <laughs> or, or yeah, like, you know yeah, yeah. maybe it's two stars. <laughs> yeah. So Jay sure we won't say where it is. Cause we're gonna do like a final ranking in like a year mm. from now, but for Friday yeah. 13th part two, would you have this in your, in your top third, your mi- middle third or bottom third? I think top third. Yeah, I, I think, think so third. too. It's still not my favorite, but I really, really love this movie. Yeah, I think that this is going to end up in my top quadrant as well, my top third. Um, I mean, we'll see as the viewings go. Uh, yeah. Next next month, we're going to be discussing part three, which is, uh, I've only seen it once. I'm interested to, review, to see it again, because I remember the last time I saw it, I was kind of disappointed. Um, but we'll, we'll, mm. we'll see how part three is. We're now going to get fully formed fully evolved jason Voorhees in, yeah. in part three so uh, i'm excited i'm excited to see what i think about it this time yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what you think and i'm excited to revisit it myself but i'm also i'm i'm hope i want to try track down i don't know you probably got it with your like collectors or your, your box set that you got of it but i always watch this friday the 13th part three and see the 3d scenes and be like man that would have been cool to watch those in 3d so i'm gonna have to see if i can track down a copy that's in 3d let me know if you do that glasses i definitely don't have the 3d version of it but okay let me know if you watch this in 3d i forgot that was the gimmick in this jesus christ yeah Yeah. Uh, i think it's called like it was initially called friday friday the 13th 3d um yeah and then part three was like the subtitle below that kind of like how they did jaws 3d oof yeah yeah Oof, man we will we will never <laughs> learn and then we still did shark boy and lava girl man um yeah <laughs> well jay sure i think that wraps it up for friday 13th part two is there anything else you wanted to mention nah that's that's it yeah i i had a lot of fun with this one i yeah. i really like it i think it might even be a good jumping in point if you if you want to see start this franchise but the stuff without Jason doesn't really interest you this that much. I think this has you get caught cool characters after the first Jason. five minutes of this movie. Yeah, you, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You're right. Um, well, Jasher, thank you so much for your time and everything. If people would like to check Jasher out, uh, go check out his podcast Podzilla. There are links in the show notes. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Jasherzilla. Uh, again, links are in the show note. You you do you do a very good show over there on Podzilla. Um, Man, I appreciate it. Now, this is thanks so much for having me on. I'm really enjoying this journey. Let's, I'm excited for the next year. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, and again, thank you everybody for tuning in. I also want to thank Horror Press, HorrorPress.com. There are links in the show notes. What, 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 what great people they have over there. Thank you again to the writers mm. Alex and Abigail. Head over to the website and you can go to the contributors if you want to, if you just want to see stuff written by Alex and Abigail and just read their articles. Abigail's actually having a book coming out in like the next few months and I plan on reading it and having wow. it on here to talk about it. But um, those people are awesome. I love, love the people over Horror Press. And also want to thank the patrons, uh, Tiffany, J. Shirt, Cleveland, and James. You guys are awesome. If people want to support me, head over to patreon.com slash Horror. There's fun bonus episodes over there and some polls. And I'll see you guys next time. And between now and then watch some good movies goodbye